the theme for the evening talk is the issue of busyness. I rather um, smiled to myself um, a, a few minutes ago, um, to which there is a little background. Um, in the United States, there is the very commendable Dharma Seed tape library, which has been run by a wonderful friend of the Dharma, uh, Judy Phillips, for many years now. And teachers who are visiting there are invited, requested to record their talks. These then are passed on to the Dharma Seed uh, tape library and made available for uh, distribution for those who wish to order the tapes to the United States and in fact other parts of the world. Guy House runs on a smaller scale, a similar scheme uh, called Insight Tapes. So in August, uh, Sharda and I were uh, teaching in the United States, at, uh, in California, near the Spirit Rock Center. And as is customary, was recording the uh, talks. But rather unfortunately, uh, the tape recorder wasn't working uh, very well. Um, it's a, a Sony, by way of advertisement. And so Judy wrote to uh, uh, Jada and said that she would appreciate if we could uh, send the tapes to her. But seeing that the recording quality was ra rather low, some minor malfunction. So I had listened to one of two of the talks. In fact, during this uh, retreat, it refreshed my m m memory completely on the theme of the talk and gave the general theme of the talk here so that the, the people on the retreat in California could order the talk and they'd get a small note saying the theme was covered here. So this, again, was applying this evening and I was listening to put the tape on, on the issue of busyness, played it, and it was a complete blank, <laughs> which I thought was beautifully ironic, given the title. <laughs> so, in fact, if I repeat this evening's uh, talk, it will be extremely silent. And, um, however, I will touch on the theme of the issue of busyness. The relationship of the self and busyness uh, collude, go together uh, unmistakably well, rather sadly. And we live in an environment and in a, a culture which one of the frequent descriptions which we give to each other, we give to ourselves, is being very busy, very being very busy. We will refer to others as being very, very busy. It's certainly a label like an albatross that hangs around my back in people's uh, description of me and etc. And the, with busyness, there's the thought which arises within, I have a great deal to do. And 
then arises all that one has to do, usually mirroring and reflecting itself through our various roles in life, if we are parents, if we are working with other people, if we have business matters to do, if we have study matters to do, if we have a home to run, if we have shopping to do, phone calls to make, and all that goes on in our life. And it put that whole lot together, the self seems extraordinarily busy. And with busyness, the self arises, and also with it, correspondingly, is the whole issue of time. Got so much to do, there's never enough time. We repeat it to each other, mantra-like. So, in this movement of self, doing, 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 and issues of time, with all of that association, the mind becomes involved in that. It becomes our life, it becomes our existence, it becomes who we are and what we are. But with the movement of all of that and the sheer frequency of it, life, in actual experiential terms, gets shorter. It actually gets shorter. So much to do, never enough time, and with it, the accompanying thoughts of, God, life is going by so quickly. And a frequent refrain that one hears as in the passing of the years is, every year seems to go by more quickly than the previous years. Every five years goes by more quickly. Every decade seems to pass by more quickly. We can probably remember hopefully, our childhood. And we remember the beginnings of the school holidays. Here in medieval England, it's still about six weeks. And more civilised countries give their children much longer uh, summer holidays. And we would come to the period of late July and the new holiday was underway right through to the first week of September. And even though at five or six weeks, six week period of holiday, seemed in our youth like eternity. Whole stretch, a long summer holiday to look forward to. As the years pass by, the month of August last like the blink of an eyelid. So how come it was eternity when we were seven or eight years of age and we hardly noticed it at whatever age we happen to be at this time in our life? Something to do with the doing, doing and never enough time and always rushing, hurrying to get things done. What kind of relationship is that? In the old text, it's put in a kind of metaphorical language. It says in the old text, beings used to live for 80,000 years. Now, if one takes that on literal value, one thinks, God, this poor guy, the Buddha, or Sid, as I prefer to call him, Siddhartha Gautama, uh, 
you know, have clearly lost it. You know, no track record of human beings living for 80,000 years. And then he says, the way of life changed over the years and over centuries. And human beings came to live for only 10 years. It's a, it's a metaphorical language. And it would appear when one looks at that the relationship to life was at one time in human history conceived of as being an extraordinarily long event. One had a, a long life. In the latter years of one's life, one was assumed in, in healthy communities to have a wisdom about life. And so life was long and full and uh, rich and one tasted of life. Then in the movement of the demands of the culture and environment, social, political, economic demands, the demands of self, the demands of the corporate world on the self, etc. We do not hear very often the voice of life is such a long experience. We hear much more frequently, God, the years are passing by. God, how long is life? Somebody quoted, a friend quote, and just a passing comment said to me, life is like the, seems to be about as long as a, a flash of lightning. And my immediate response was, it's not that long. So we see there's the movement of the life passing through its uh, phases and probably some gross generalization. Tendency would be how life is going by so quickly, how short it is, and how we hear from people who are into their sixth decade or their seventh decade will say, in all honesty, I can remember when I was 21 just like that. And where did the 50 years go? What happened to them? Just went just like that. Not an unusual voice to hear. One hears the voice of men and women who say, I look at the mirror and I can't believe what I see. I can't believe this is me. Well, by now, after a week, we should know it isn't, but anyway. <laughs> so one looks at... Because inside... I still feel bright and energetic and as young and as youthful and as interested and as passionate for, for life as I ever did. One of my neighbours was speaking to me, married woman, probably 50 years of uh, age, single mother, four wonderful uh, uh, children from six or seven to 18 or whatever. And she said to me, Christopher, I was in the Totnes market the other day and I saw this incredibly handsome guy. She said, he was gorgeous. <laughs> and she said, I could just feel inside of myself real interest to 
talk to this guy, connect with this guy, I could just feel it. And then she said, I suddenly forgot. I'm 50. <laughs> this guy is about 24. He's not going to look at me. <laughs> and one sees, sometimes inner life can be as vital and vibrant and passionate and energetic, etc. And yet, outwardly, life has changed. The impact of the world of ageing has moved on. and We have to be with it, move with it, whatever. Sometimes I say the busyness of life not only seems to age us much more quickly, but equally too, somehow we can be out of touch with things. But one of the primary things of the issue of busyness is that somehow or other the self becomes dependent on doing a lot. It becomes a reinforcement that one is somebody by doing a lot. And therefore the self and doing a lot get associated together. And we think, is that what life is? Who is going to remember what we did? Who frankly cares? For whom is all this doing, doing, doing? I think people have bothered etc. Yet somehow we've, we've got it in our mind. I was reporting in listening to the uh, radio, uh, teachers like me, we, we have this privilege, you don't have the privilege. And as I was driving from home 20 minutes away this morning, I was listening to a politician, a private secretary to one of the ministers, and just written some book about his experiences. And he said he was 48 years of age and being in the, whatever, the pulse of government. It's a pretty weak pulse, but anyway. <laughs> but being in the pulse of government, he had sacrificed a lot to be a politician having to struggle by on £42,000 a year, having to struggle by on a, on a travel allowance of £12,000 a year, on a secretarial allowance of £18,000 a year. Now he was leaving politics because he really had to make some real money for his future. <laughs> I thought to myself, this guy is completely loopy. And the thinking is that. He believes that. He actually talks about it to a million listeners on the radio in the morning. No sense of shame. No sense of, I'm a living tragedy to existence. <laughs> so sometimes there's the self. It's got to do a lot. It wants to achieve a lot. It's going to make itself busy, intensely busy, 
And with that busyness and that desire and the movement of it that takes place, it gives a feeling, a strange feeling of being self-important. It gives a feeling of being somebody. The affirmation of self through doing a lot and in doing a lot, perhaps, tragically, being rather blind to the emptiness of it all, of that compulsive need to do, 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 and do again. It's not only eating up kindness in this world, and deep human goodness, and deep compassion and, and uh, wisdom. It's eating up the very resources of existence, including the earth itself. And as we know, many of us have reached the stage now where it's not possible to go and visit anybody. One has to make an appointment. Mm -hmm. And if somebody knocks on our door, I think, oh no, do I answer it? We've become so detached from each other. Because we feel I'm so busy, I haven't got time to answer the door. I haven't got time to be a human being. I've got so much to do. Something in relationship, in communication, in the heart, in friendship, in humanity is being lost on the altar of self. And when somebody does knock on our door in our busy, busy world, and I notice in myself, I mean, I could put it back to my mother, obviously. The first thing my eyes do is, does the room look a mess? <laughs> what the hell does it matter? <laughs> Maybe because one remembered one's parent running around ferociously, picking things off the chair, off the couch, tidy things up, <laughs> not going to the front door. Hello, it's nice to see you. <laughs> totally breathless. <laughs> issue of busyness, gone riot for three minutes, does it matter? Is the person going to come in and say, oh my God, what a mess this place is in. They're going to come in and say, nice to see you. So the movement of busyness not only affects our comfort and our sense of inner relaxation with what's around, but also our relationship with other human beings. No time for each other. Something rather sad about it. If we are to change that, if we say to ourselves, not that it labelled the description that other people put upon us, but if we say to ourselves, my life is too busy, then, in that time-honoured uh, tradition of awareness and practice, essentially it's therefore saying, what am I willing to renounce? To actually think to ourselves, oh, I'll be less busy when, whatever it might be, thoughts rise and turn around, oh, when 
our children have left home. When I've paid off the debts, when I've finished this particular project, when my friends have all said, when I finish this last book, then once I finish that, then I'll have some space uh, before I start a, a fresh book, as common amongst us. There's no history of this succeeding. The movement towards to do and to get things done becomes such a momentum the mind cannot stop. It has to go to the next thing. It's compelled to go to the next thing. It's pushed along towards the next thing. Tendencies can get so strong. So in youth, it gets, we get away with it. We can do this, that and the other, this, that and the other. There was a time when you were 55, you were too old for the job, you couldn't really handle it. Then it came down to around 50, then it came down to about 45. Now in some jobs, you're too old at 40. In some jobs, which are high pressure, high demand, and tremendous pressure on it, one's too old at 35. I have friends who connect with the stock market for some God knows reason, or in the uh, uh, computer software uh, world, etc., who are too old at 35 for that particular area to work in. They want young blood, 26, 30 years old, or whatever. So there's this demand and pressure made on us as human beings to do, to do, to do, to do. And as I say, if anything else is really going to change, it's what has to be renounced. What am I willing to give up? What am I willing to do to take the concept and the struggle of busyness out of existence so it's a relationship to existence which is intelligent, which is wise, which is spaceful, spacious and which is insightful. Not passive, not indifferent, but is actually a relationship which is aware, conscious and insightful. Sometimes we're comparing ourselves with others. We say, oh, this person I know, he or she, seems to have accomplished so much, seems to have done so much. So we use other people to compare with and easily compare very unfavourably ourselves with others. Do we do that with our friends, with our work colleagues, with our partners, One of the major industries of our time, in terms of mind and body, is the stress reduction industry. Huge industry. And this industry can show itself in the frequency of producing um, these uh, health clinics, where the very expensive, for where the rich and shameless can go. The, um, the gymnasiums, the gyms. And so sometimes the pressure of things is 
understandably so strong, a person says, I need to go down to the gym, expensive equipment, do a workout, do aerobics, anaerobics or whatever it might be. And the contrast for the body and mind is a relief. Pedaling the bicycle, not going anywhere is a relief. etc. And so the person comes out of the situation, she, he, feeling quite relieved. Why? There's a change of energy in the moment, in the time. But then one goes straight back to what one was doing the previous day. Temporary relief, no insight. Just enough energy change to change the energy, very temporary. Why? No interest in renunciation. No interest in facing the fact. No interest in letting go. No interest in a practice of awareness to live with wisdom and intelligence. Wanting it always. And as I say, as the years go by, pressure gets greater. One in three men have a heart attack before they're 60. Many women feel incredible stress and tension. Both genders, health issues, can easily increase, unnecessarily so, in the passing of the years, not just because the body is aging from one moment to the next, but the relationship of the mind to the field of existence, and the body can't tolerate that pressure. And we need to be checking in with ourselves. Am I doing too much? If so, what am I prepared to let go of? What am I prepared to drop? What am I prepared to do without? That takes awareness and clarity. Then, what is stress? What is stress? What is it we say to ourselves sometimes, I feel so stressed out? What's actually going on for us? If one looks at it in the inner life, the production of stress, and therefore the need to produce the industry to alleviate it, it seems to be two forces interacting, crashing into each other from within. One of them is certainly is desire. Desire in that Dharma language again, of course of the self engaged in a movement towards in which the result really matters. This is desire in Dharma language. Movement with the self towards in which the result really matters. And upon the result will influence one's sense of well-being. And the other is, in the production of stress, is the movement of fear running parallel to the desire in which the fear is, if I don't get this done, if this isn't finished, if this isn't complete. So the movement of desire and the movement of fear working together sometimes are colliding along the way, so to speak. And it generates stress. Desire to get done, 
things done, fear that one won't. This is called socially acceptable word called stress. Rather than saying the blunt truth of it is that my life is full of desire and I'm full of fear and I'm unwilling to look at it. So I can't bear to say that. Oh, I have so much stress in my life. It sounds easier. But it isn't. Sometimes the self, in its movement and its appearance, with its busyness, tends, and um, I've I'm, I'm, I'm noticed this uh, in different circumstances, I've got political ones in mind for the moment, to take a position, it, the self, knows best. It can do things better. It would be easier for oneself to do. I remember in, in the period from 1986 to 1992, uh, in this uh, area, um, I was trying to make a small contribution to my local member of parliament, who is a conservative, to losing his job. And um, of course, I didn't succeed, and the time of that time was uh, spent, as those of you who have ever done any, done any campaigning for utterly lost causes, in this case it was the Green Party, that in knocking on doors and speaking in numerous village halls on political matters, the relationship of people to themselves, each other, and their environment, which was essence of Green Party thinking. That plenty of things in all of that, the organisation of that, the campaigning, the working with those matters, thought can arise of the self, which is working for some, working for results. Can arise, oh, in this or that, I, the I, the self arises, oh, I can do it better. Better if I do this. Better if I go and give this talk at this place. Better if I make this phone call, do this press release, or whatever it might be. And the, mo the mind and the notion of self begins to get exclusive. I can do it better, therefore one keeps other people out. One hinders the opportunity for other people to learn, to develop, to grow as, as human beings. I can do it better. I can do it quicker. I can do it more efficiently. I have more skill in all of this. I, 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 it's sickening. I, 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 I. How on earth? In the busy self, the controlling self, the demanding self, where in all of that are we going to find a liberation? And we can say to ourselves and to each other and to our therapists and to our people in the workplace or whatever, my life's too busy. I'm trying to do too much. But just thought, like so many thoughts, may not make a change. Therefore, the investigation into our life, the inquiry into our life, the exploration, is, as I say, sometimes to look at, openly and honestly with ourselves, what needs to change. 
what would it be to find ways and means to live life which do express a greater wisdom? When, uh, to speak personally for a moment, in uh, 20 uh, years ago, or more, these days when I began uh, giving uh, Dharma teachings, I remember quite well and clearly making um, an agreement uh, with uh, um, myself. And the agreement essentially was, if this work becomes a stress, hassle, pain in the neck, a weight, a problem, uh, oh my God, another 20 minds to have to face for another week, or, a, or 200 minds, or whatever the number on the retreat. Then I'll change, I'll change the kind of Dharma form and Dharma service, many other forms, not just retreats, there. So one of the aspects of any work in connection with others which produce busyness, pressure and uh, stress is the accumulation in time of the, of the past becoming a weight on the present. What has happened to the human spirit and, and consciousness when that happens? And we've perhaps all had the experience of starting something fresh and new and there's been, one's been enlivened with it, there's been, been a real interest in it, there's been a creative expression in it and a passion and an enthusiasm. And then the time has gone by, weeks, months, years or whatever, and suddenly or gradually and sinisterly all of that's disappeared. And one is just left with the mechanics of it the repetition of it, the having to do it, whatever it might be. And one starts putting it down to the thing itself. Whatever the task, whatever the work, whatever the activity, whatever it is that you and I might have in life. So a free life and a spontaneous life, and therefore a, a happy and a joyful life, isn't carrying from the past. Passion can be as fresh today as it was 20 years ago. The love of meditation and silence and stillness and presence in life is as new in this moment as it was, in my case, three decades ago, 30 years ago when I first began meditating. What keeps something alive and fresh and vital? No carrying of the past. No carrying of it. In Dharma language, it is living a life without karma. Living a life free from the past being any kind of burden, weight, problem, shadow, issue in terms of the present. And that right, that human right, that birthright in fact, is potential and possible for all of us. So that we travel freely and easily in this world. But it might require 
and for some it will require an honest looking at the facts of one's existence, an honest inquiry into what needs to be changed, an honest letting go and renunciation to generate enough space in consciousness to see and be clear in this world. So that one can say of one's heart of hearts, I don't feel I'm a busy human being. I don't experience living in stress. I do feel as much passion for today and for the moment as I did five, ten, twenty years ago or whatever. And that, through the moment, through the here and now, through insight and exploration, you can discover easily. And so things like numbers, numbers of body, age of body, numbers of uh, year, 1996, or whatever, we just say, oh, these are just social conventions. And we can look and sense in a different way altogether, which is freeing and enlightening, and it takes the agitation and the fear out of numbers. Oh, the years are going by so quickly. Oh, my, my age is going by so quickly. Because we've genuinely stopped and genuinely been still and actually seen through all of that. So it's just numbers. No more, no less. And then perhaps we'll touch on something deep and profound which is unavailable in being busy, 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 and the desire and fear syndrome and the stress that runs along with it. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings see deep into existence. May all beings live a free and joy-filled life. Let's have a quiet minute or two, please. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.